Blog Talk Radio. A country star with over two million streams of her latest song and the queen of house music, who's also the president of Track Record, Alice Wallace and Screamin' Rachel Kane. It's Music Friday Live. Angeles, California, the music capital of America. It's Music Friday Live. I'm your host, Patrick O'Hepernan. Don't forget, this is your show. The guests are here for you, so you can call in at 347-215-7511, or you can email us. And I, some of you have already emailed us already, Live at gmail.com. Well, I want to welcome our listeners on the CyberStationUSA.com network and their radio affiliates in the East Coast who will hear the show tonight. I also want to say hi to everybody on the Artistic Echoes and the Canal Side Radio Network in the UK who will hear the show tomorrow because, you know, it's tomorrow today. Well, you know what I mean. And if let you know again, if you have questions or comments, uh, shoot the emails to us. If you're listening to us in England or overnight or on a podcast, shoot us an email, Music Friday Live at gmail.com. We'll forward your questions to our guests. And speaking of our guests, Alice Wallace sings about my state, California. Her notes and her lyrics evoke everything I love about this place, the beauty, the energy, the optimism, the tragedies, the challenges. And she does it with a voice that is so beautiful and so authentic, I almost cry when I listen to her. Whether she's singing about the Santa Ana winds or Echo Canyon or riding a motorcycle on the Redwood Mountain Road, her unique combination of blues and rock and country and Californiana grabs my gut and it takes me through my childhood. No wonder she is a four-time winner of the LA Music Critic Award and the 2017 California Country Female Vocalist of the Year. Her new album, Into the Blue, on the Rebel Road label, which I heard last night at, at, at a live release show at a packed house at the No Name in Los Angeles, that new album, I think, revitalizes and sets a new standard for country music. So we are so happy and we are so proud to welcome her to Music Friday Live. Alice, welcome and thank you for being with us this morning after what I suspect was a late night last night. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Who needs sleep? It's, it's the day my record comes out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, we have so many things to talk about, including that. Last night's release party, Rebel Road, your concert schedule. But first, I'd like to ask you about the album, Into the Blue. Ten songs, each one a perfectly crafted masterpiece. How many songs did you have to go through to get to these ten? You know, to be honest, um, there were only a few songs we didn't end up using for the album. You know, like I, I really feel like in the last few years when I do write songs, I spend a lot of time with them. And so when we sat down to record and I presented these songs, it just kind of all felt right. We didn't really feel like we needed to dig deeper into, you know, the catalog of things that I had written. And it just, they, they, even though I didn't write them with a certain theme in mind, of course, at the end of the day, they ended up mostly being about California and the Southwest and sort of my experiences out here. And they just, it, it felt very cohesive, sort of just naturally, really. Well, it, it feels that way to me too, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. As I said in the introduction, um, 
you blend many elements into your California country. And, and for my East Coast and my British listeners, um, California country actually has a long history. Not all country Western music comes from uh, Nashville. Um, it goes back to the to Rose Maddox and her fiddle in the 40s and Gene Autry and the singing cowboys of Hollywood, the Bakersfield sound. And some would actually argue that Mexican banda and frontera music, which was played for farm workers up and down the valley in the 20s and 30s, is part of the California country history. So it goes back a ways. Now, yeah. I know that, that you were self-taught. Did those California musical elements inhabit your world and your mind as you were growing up? You know, actually, yes, even though I actually grew up in Florida, but I was born in, in California, in Los Angeles. My mom grew up in L.A., and she and my dad met out here. And, um, you know, growing up, even though I was in, like, this little, you know, rural town in Florida, they their influence brought California to where I was. You know, I grew up on Graham Parsons and Emmylou Harris and a lot of the, you know, the Linda Ronstadt and, and a lot of the Laurel Canyon kind of sounds. And so, yeah, I, I really grew up on a lot of, California music from an from an early age. Okay, although I don't hear any any surfing tunes in 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 your uh, your repertoire, but who knows? Uh, right. Yeah, not uh, as much. Although I will say, one of the first CDs I ever bought when I was young was a Beach Boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I've well, got, well, some, let's I've got some. Let, let's listen to um, uh, 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 give our audience a sample of the new album. Uh, this is Blue. Out there waiting, could be waiting for you. You're only scared of the things that you can't see. That was The Blue by Alice Wallace, and, and that's one of the songs that makes me cry. Uh, the lyrics in there, a blank page waiting for a line, a metronome just marking time, and now you stand right at the edge of where you'll go and where you've been. That's my state. You captured it in four <laughs> poetic lines. How do you do that? Where does that poetry come from? You know, sometimes I'm not even exactly sure. You know, I wrote that song on a New Year's Eve, kind of just really thinking about more about like this decision I made, you know, about six years ago to just quit my job and, and start touring full time and go after this dream I've had of, of playing music. And, you know, I think just being here in California, it just naturally sort of conjures these ocean images. And it just kind of that's what I latched on to when I was writing the song. Wow. Well, it, it latches on to me, right? That, that's, uh, that's what we call uh, put it on repeat. Um, you know, there, there's, there's another song um, on the album um, about a different aspect of California, a, a part we all live with and we all fear. And uh, 
I want to play it. This is Santa Ana Wind. There's a wicked orange glow While the neighbors spray the rooftop With a garden hose You heard they couldn't save the horses Helicopters leaving, turning eddies in the smoke, and it's hot and dry and black, and it's hanging in your throat. The flames that lick your neighborhood eat you out of house and home while the Santa Ana winds just blow. Now, I fought fires in the Hollywood Hills when I was in high school. Mostly I cleaned up after them, but, you know, you never forget it. The smell, the charred mm-hmm. walls, the pieces of people's lives crunching under your, your shoes. Your lyrics capture that. Have you been through a Santa Ana driven fire? You know, not personally. It, uh, I actually live in North Orange County, and I think the closest fire we've had to our actual home is, you know, it was, it, you know, it was a good still ten miles away. It didn't feel too threatening, but but a lot of people I know have. You know, I've had friends who have lost homes, and you know, when we actually just released the music video for this song today. Um, on Paste Magazine, and we filmed the video up in Malibu at this uh, property that had a, uh, it has a studio on it. We recorded part of the album at this beautiful studio, but when the fires came through through Malibu, they basically they completely destroyed the house on the property. Just everything is just blackened, and we just wandered around. And you know, it, it is just a very sobering thing, and something we've been dealing with here in California, especially. You know, uh, it's just been so bad these last few years. It's always been, a, you know, a recurring thing here in California, but these last few years have just absolutely devastated California. And uh, I wrote this song with my friend Andrew Delaney, who lives in Texas, and we actually wrote it last winter when uh, it was mostly around the Thomas Fire that really just destroyed Ventura and Santa Barbara counties last year. And we were just watching this, and we just started talking about it, and this song came out of that. And, of course, now this year the fires have been even worse, and it's still just something that's very much on the forefront of all of our minds out here. Absolutely. Um, And like I say, you captured it well. Um, Then during the Woolsey Fire, right after the Woolsey Fire, um, I interviewed uh, studio owners who lost everything uh, both in Northern California and here in Southern California too. And it was very devastating because in addition to losing their studios, they lost, many of them lost all their musical instruments and their way of making a living. So I, uh, when, when I heard you sing that song uh, last night and also when I listened to it, uh, um, it hit home and uh, Mm -hmm. you, you you really hit home. 
Uh, let me remind our audience that we're talking with Alice Wallace, and you can uh, – why don't you email? Because uh, we already got some emails in, and uh, so why don't we just e- – why don't you email us in if you have questions, and why don't we go to the emails here, Alice? Um, sure. Beamer in L.A. <laughs> says, I-, I read that you do 200 shows a year. D- do you live in a van? <laughs> well, you know, and that was uh... – a couple years ago, I got real close to 200 shows. This past year has been a little slower just because we've been recording the, the album and, like, getting it all ready to go. Um, and I don't live in a van, <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> it feels like I do when yeah, when those tours are going. But you know what? I, I love being on the road. I love, you know, getting up in the morning, driving for however many hours, getting out of the car and playing music for people and going to sleep and doing the same thing again. Like, it's it's. It's funny how you just get in this zone where just like the music is your whole life for that time period. And I, and I love it. It took some time getting used to it. I didn't see myself living this kind of transient life, but it just, it, it's what you have to do when you, when you want to play music. And um, I've really grown to love it. Well, you know, I could really see that last night on stage. You just kind of radiated happiness throughout that room. <laughs> so I could just, this obviously is not a job for you. It's a lot more than that, right? No, uh, yeah. I mean, last night was just beautiful. Yeah, that's where I am the happiest when I get to play for an audience like that. Incidentally, the uh, woman who plays violin with you, she's remarkable. Who is that? Her name is Caitlin Wolfberg. And yeah, she's fantastic. And she did all of the string arrangements on the album. So she not only played the violin parts, but she arranged a four part string, or, you know, four-piece string part where she played two violins and a viola and then brought in a cello player. And I mean, the, the string, you know, arrangements on the album are just gorgeous. So I'm really happy wow. that she was part of the project and, and she wants to be involved as much as possible. I, I have a lot of just, yeah, really amazing people who believe in this music and want to be a part of it. And I feel really lucky. Yeah. Your guitar player is pretty amazing too, to say the least. Yeah. Um, and he's only done a few shows with us and, and he's, he's doing so well. And yeah, yeah. It was a great band last night. It felt really great to be playing music with them. And the other thing that impressed me is um, your, your violin player um, had a pedal box the size of a small car. And I haven't seen that before <laughs> with an electric violin. Right. Okay. I know she does some really great things with getting that the tone just right on that violin. And, she, and you can see how she does it. She's got that, all the equipment there. Um, yeah. Sophia, in, uh, Sophia in San Diego wants to know if you're ever going to be playing in San Diego. Well, that's a good question because we actually just confirmed that we're going to be doing our uh, San Diego album release on February 21st down at the Belly Up in Solana Beach. So that's okay. going to be, and it's the, the first time I'm playing that venue. It's a great room, and so we're really looking forward to it. So February 21st for anybody in San Diego, come on okay. out. Okay, so Sophia, you need to be there because it's your fault. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, <laughs> Remy, 42, in uh, New York City. I'd love to see you at the Rockwood. Um, you know, there's a, a country western community here and in Jersey. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and, and that's funny because I was just looking at emails this morning. We're planning a Northeast tour in May, and we're just starting to talk about Rockwood is probably the place we're going to we're gonna set up a show. So definitely, you know, on my website, alicewallacemusic.com, like we're going to k- keep all the tour dates listed because I want to try to get 
basically everywhere this year if I can. So we're really okay. working hard to, to plan some tours. All right, Alice Wallace, everywhere. Right? Uh, <laughs> Hopefully. You know, you, you released this album on the new record label, uh, Rebel Road, which was only started last March uh, by three women. And I, I, I think your album is actually their debut release. Um, mm-hmm. How did you and Rebel Road get together? Well, it was really through my producer, KP Hawthorne, who um, is one of the founding members of Rebel Road. And she and I have worked together for a few years. She produced my last album a few years back, and then she produced this one. And so um, when she started working with Rebel Road, you know, I was looking at what they were doing, and it looked amazing. And so we just kind of all started chatting. You know, we knew this album needed to come out, and I was looking at various ways of releasing it. And so we just decided to all get together and put it out. And it's been amazing working with them because, you know, the the three women, it's KP and then um, Adrian Isom and Karen McHugh. And each of these, each of these ladies has just great skill sets in various places. And so they've, they've helped me so much in in getting this album out and, and really making this release something, you know, to talk about. So. Well, I had an opportunity to talk with uh, with one of them, Adrienne, last night, and actually we're going to book them on the show, and uh, because I think it's a wonderful um, um, endeavor that they've kicked off there, and I, I want to see it have every success. Um, now, you know, speaking of Absolutely. success, um, you've also been mentioned uh, in saving country music. Um, what is the state of country music in your eyes today? Yeah, I know. It's um it's an interesting thing because there's some amazing country music being made right now, but most of it's not being played on the radio. You know, so I I feel like that's where we're, the the disconnect is. You know, luckily now with 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 the internet and streaming and everything, people can still find the music they want to listen to, but really just like country radio is kind of this this machine of very similar music, mostly male artists. Yes. Um, it's very rare. I think, you know, I think the, the statistic is maybe one female artist per hour at the most. You know, I mean, it's, it's just absolutely mind-boggling how little they play women on country radio and just in general the, the music they're playing. And so um, I am hoping there's going to be a shift. You know, there's, there's people like, Jason Isbell and, and some of these people who are, who are getting some inroads. Um, you know, I mean, even Casey Musgraves, she's winning Grammys and she's winning yeah. CMA awards, but they're still not playing her on the radio either. And yeah. so I feel like for the, for the general public, they don't really hear the music. And so, you know, I'm, it, it is a, dis, a, a disheartening thing in, in ways, but we just have to keep making good music and keep getting it out there. And I, I feel like, if we get enough audiences behind it, country radio is going to have to listen and start to change their format. I, I certainly hope so. And I, I think we're going to be seeing some of those women on stage at the She Rocks Awards at NAM uh, next week. Um, well, mm, speaking of yeah. men and, and women, you've got a, a song on the album that's not about California, but it's, um, it does speak to the state of women, not just in music, but in life. Um, this is Elephants. Walk with a purpose through the parking lot Keys in your knuckles cause you ain't got a claw Remembering when your daddy taught you that 
boys, woolly boys, gotta watch your back. Sitting there drinking at the bar alone. Sharks come circle, wanna take you home. You better not play coy, better not be me. Cause boys will be boys, and they have fragile things. And they got names for the ones who talk back, and the ones who wear those clothes. They got names for the ones who say yes, and the ones who say. Walk with a purpose through the parking lot. Keys tween your knuckles because you ain't got claws. Remembering what your daddy taught you, that boys will be boys, you got to watch your back. Now, I've always understood that women have to be wary in the company of men, but, but you know, that really brings it home. Uh, once again, you've managed to capture libraries full of research in four powerful lines. Um, were those hard lessons that you've learned personally? Well, they certainly are, although I have to preface it with the fact that this is the one song in the album that I actually didn't write. Um, okay. And But it, it was written by Andrew Delaney, who I have co-written, like we co-wrote Santa Ana Wins, um, and, uh, and this is his song, though, and, but it's, it's amazingly wow. personal, too. The first time I heard him sing this song, I, was, I felt like I had written it. You know, and it it just it hit everything perfectly, and and you know, and he basically just says, you know, I've been listening to women in my life tell me these things my whole life, you know, and he just he put it down in a song, and I so I asked him if I could record it because I just felt like it was so powerful and so important to hear a song with that kind of message, you know, and it happened to be, you know, like in the last year, obviously we're talking about the Me Too movement and all these things, but I mean, he wrote this song three years ago, you know, when it was still relevant, but just we weren't talking about it yet. And I'm glad wow. we are talking about it now. Yeah. So That's amazing. Um, so yeah. That's, 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 oh, wow. That's, that is really amazing. Uh, as, uh, yeah. I've had women tell me those things for most of my life too, but uh, the fact that he could construct, condense it, distill it down into such powerful words and that you were able to deliver them so powerfully. It's um, inspiring. Um, and speaking yeah. of that um, and, and our prior conversation on women in country music, uh, which sounds like uh, still mice surrounded by elephants. Um, over the past year, we went back and we analyzed last year's uh, guests and we found that about 61% of our guests were women. And uh, okay. the reason is that because I, I see, you know, 200 or more bands and singers every year. There are so many incredibly talented women who are out there singing. They're leading bands. They're fronting bands. They are the bands. Um, in your experience, what happens to them when the award shows are booked and the festival lineups are finalized and, and the radio bookings are signed? Uh, these hugely talented women that I interview and review don't seem to be there. Where do they go? You know, that's a very good question. And I, I, I'm not exactly sure the answer, you know, that um, there's just something in, in the, uh, the atmosphere in the music industry where they get discredited somewhere along the way. And, 
you know, when it comes to, like, festival bookings, like, you hear, you know, these, these promoters saying that men draw better to festivals, and that's why they book more of them, but it's, you know, I'm not sure where they, where they're getting these numbers, and, you know, so there, there is a movement, you know, now that, like, it's, I'm just happy that we're talking about it, you know, because it's something that's been there for so long, and it's just a matter of making people hear that we're, it's not okay, you know, to just keep discounting women and, and excluding them from these higher level things, you know, the, yeah, the awards and the festivals and, and the radio airplay. And it, it's just like a, it's a culture we have to, to start shifting. And of course um, you, you have to endure that culture yourself. And I agree with you. I, I'm not sure where they're getting that data uh, at NAM last year. And I was talking to the people in the, uh, uh, the Fender guitar showcase and he said you know half of our guitars are now bought by women that the guitar hero is on his way out (laughs) and i'm thinking you know if if that's the case we need to hear more women on the radio because they've got to be drawing and uh yeah i know in the the clubs here and the you know the capital of music in the united states as i look at the lineups in the clubs women kind of dominate and you go right. to the audience, you look at the audiences. Cause I'm, you know, I'm out two or three or four nights a week at clubs and those audiences are probably 60% female. So I don't know where they're getting their data. Anyway. I know. <clears throat> yeah. They start proving uh, them wrong and getting well, chances, but yeah, we're, we're doing our part but here. We're talking about it now. Yes. No, I definitely um, appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're almost out of time, but I, I I have room for one more song, and this is a song that did make me cry. Um, this is uh, Desert Rose. Well, she was born at the wrong time, on the wrong side of the line. But she never let it do her any harm Tough but sweet Quick on her feet She talked her way through war As on her shoulders But with a look at my kiss And even more charming Young man won her over at first sight. They so very close. He called her Desert Rose and held her ever close through the She carved a wooden rose. For the baby's name she chose, she swore her child would never share her fate. You never find a love like mine, you'll always be safe with me. They found her lying on the floor. That song just leaves me speechless, uh, especially today. Um, is that a true story? Well, it started from a true story that I heard. Um, you know, I... I travel through Texas a lot. There's a lot of great music in Texas. So I take my band there frequently a couple times a year. And um, we started going to El Paso to play this concert series there. And um, 
so we, I heard this story from a friend of mine who's a, a firefighter and an EMT there one night. He was just saying that, you know, they had gotten a call that week to help this woman who had come across the border in the night and she'd had her baby on the floor of a gas station bathroom. And, you know, to him, it was like this somewhat normal occurrence because living in El Paso, you were right on the border. I mean, basically yeah. El Paso and Juarez are just separated by I-10, you know, they are, they are yeah. neighbors. And so the, you know, this story that I heard is just, floored me to him it was just like a casual oh this was a, a story this week and to me it was like what kind of situation would this woman have to be in where that was a better option than what yeah. she had back home and it was just yeah it just really stuck with me and I just decided to try to write a song like telling what her story could have been to me it's the most powerful song in the album and um, I I I don't there's you know, leaves me speechless, which is not easy to do for somebody who's on the radio for a living. Unfortunately, we are out of time, and um, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, and I want to thank you for this for this music. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for listening. I mean, that's it wouldn't be anywhere if, if people don't listen to it. So I'm so thrilled that the album is out today, and I can finally share these songs with everybody. And where do people go to get it? Well, if you just go to alicewallacemusic.com, there's links where, yeah, you can download on all the major, it is on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's on Amazon, all the major, you know, outlets. And, um, yeah, so I hope as many people as possible will go out there and listen today. It's finally, it's finally out. Yay. Okay. All right. Well, that's Alice Wallace. The new album is Into the Blue. It's on the Rebel Road label. You can stream it on Spotify, buy it on Google Play, Amazon, iTunes. Go to her website. That's probably the best place. Follow her also at the website, alicewallacemusic.com. We have to take a break now. And when we return, Screamin' Rachel joins us. This is going to be fun. So don't go away. Just two hours south of the California border lies the enchanting seaside town of San Felipe, Baja, California, where friendly people, warm waters, and a relaxing vacation awaits. And it all starts at www.mysanfelipevacation.com. Whether you choose to golf on the 18-hole championship course overlooking the Sea of Cortez with friends, enjoy a romantic weekend for two on the beach, or take the whole family for a fun-filled weekend of shopping and activities, You'll be sure to find just the right accommodations at MySanFelipeVacation.com. So what are you waiting for? Isn't it time you got away? Visit www.MySanFelipeVacation.com today. That's www.MySanFelipeVacation.com. See you in San Felipe. That's right. You can have a fabulous vacation at MySanFelipe.com on San Felipe Beach and all those other great places down there. So go to MySanFelipeVacation.com, a little bit of a mouthful there. And uh, best of all, if you use the uh, the code MFLA5, you will get a 5% discount on everything you book. Remember, that's MySanFelipeVacation.com. You'll be really glad you did. Oh, wow. After that interview, we've got another powerful woman to talk to. 
Um, you can be in your own room, but believe it or not, you'd be flying somewhere else. That's a line from I Am House, the new single by Screamin' Rachel Kane, owner and president of Tracks Records and the anointed queen of house music. And that is what she does. She lets people fly wherever they want to go. A pioneer both as an artist and a record executive, she helped build the house music genre alongside friends like Africa Bombada and Joe Smooth. She can be, it can be said with no exaggeration that Rachel Kane is one of the people who has changed the face of music worldwide. And she did it and continues to do it today her way. Now with a new single out, a movie soundtrack, a hand in some other films, and maybe some new songs, we'll see. Rachel Kane is one of music's touchstones, one of the touchstones of our lives, and we are so proud to welcome her to Music Friday Live. Rachel, thank you for joining us today. Patrick, thanks very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, Rachel, I have to admit, I'm kind of a househead. Um, oh, good. <laughs> I'm happy. Uh, uh, house is my go-to music when I'm working or bike riding or sometimes even just thinking and writing. And, and sometimes I even do you know, the house music concert thing and meet other househeads. And something I've noticed is that they're all kind of interesting, special people. They're kind of individualistic, but mellow. They're really friendly and diverse. And now, is that just my self-selected sample here in L.A., or does that describe your audience and your customers? I would say it describes our audience worldwide. I think that house music has erased boundaries of uh, racial boundaries, age boundaries, uh, economic boundaries. I think it's really a great way to bring people together. And uh, it seems that because it has such a great dance beat, even those who aren't the best dancers can really feel it. And you'd be hard pressed to put on house music and not have somebody bobbing or dancing along. So it seems to unite people. And it seems that as far as, you know, the image of house music, it's never been about like, you know, wearing all your designer clothes, although many designers use our music or, you know, um, how wealthy you are or things like that. It's always just been about, you know, feeling good and uniting on the dance floor. And I think that uh, you've hit it on the head. Okay. All right. I, you know, once a year that happens. Um but there's one thing I want to ask you. It, it, it seems to me that like house music is, is a little more than just a genre. It, it has a little bit of a lifestyle, to, um, which to me is what separates it from EDM, which a lot of people often confuse with house music. Um, is there kind of a lifestyle that goes along with, with house music? And, and, and what, how, do, how do you separate it from EDM? I mean, you're the expert. Well, I would say there there is a lifestyle that goes along with it, and there is a very much uh, community, and also there is this idea of, you know, gay, straight, young, old, black, white, and I think that's a big part of uh, the inclusive nature of what house music is. Now, with EDM, even though, you know, it's – I, I believe all dance music today, house music is the mother of it, whether it's trap music, EDM, whatever it may be. Because I think of house music as being like the rock and roll of our generation, you know. And I just think that what has happened with EDM 
is that it's gotten kind of almost too formula these days so that it, it kind of all is beginning to sound alike and there seems to be a bit of a rebellion, you know, by grassroots people out there, such as when uh, David Guetta was on Nightline and they sort of proclaimed him the grandfather, godfather of house music and people really rebelled. I was really surprised to know that so many people out there who had heard that interview really came forward and just said, no, that's not true. You know, it started in Chicago. And yes, I mean, David Guetta, I would say that when it comes to EDM, he may very well be the king of it or the godfather of it. But I would also say, because I do know a lot about David Guetta and his influence was certainly tracks records. And um, his favorite song is something called love can't turn around from the label. So, uh, I think that he he was greatly influenced by it. I think that he helped to spread it. But the music that he does, even though I wouldn't, you know, say that I would say that a lot of it's very talented, but it is different than house. And I think, you know, more and more what's happened in the world of EDM is it, it's gotten to be too homogenized and, and it's gotten very over commercialized. And I do remember well, when, uh, excuse me, people telling me. You know, house music is never going to be what it could have been because uh, EDM is taking over. And I said, well, that is not true. And it is not true because what has really happened is this whole grassroots movement that's happening in the underground and then young people really kind of going back to wanting something that touches them a little bit more. That's not just like pump your fists and jump up and down. Uh and there's a lot of them out there. We have a huge young following, especially in Europe, you know, when I DJ out there. So I would say that there is a difference. I would say that, you know, it, it's one of the offshoots of house music, but that real house music and the the feeling that it brings about uh, of the community and of the lifestyle. And even these days, you know, brands like uh, Maison Kitsune is a really cool uh, fashion brand that's out of Paris. And they used our music for their new acid collection. So, uh, and then recently someone sent me this yeah. great, like, runway fashion show with all of our <laughs> stuff on it. So it's really interesting to see how, you know, we've kind of uh, – I wouldn't say we've come back because we never went away, but just the great impact that we have on music today. Well, let's uh, let's let our uh, audience hear a little bit of that. Um, I want to to play one of your songs, and this is uh, "You Used to Hold Me." Oh, fabulous! Thank you.
we have a, a saying around here in, uh, at Music Friday Live that uh, poetry's not dead. We just call it lyrics now. And house lyrics are just as poetic as any other form's words. But I listen to them differently. I listen to them kind of viscerally rather than intellectually. There's kind of a tactile information in the beats and the repeats that, to me, are important. Uh, are, are there kind of accepted forms of house lyrics and accepted ways in which you put a house song together? Well, it's interesting that you should say that because when we first began, a lot of people said, well, gee, there's no verse, chorus, verse. There's no like bridge and where it's... So I don't know if there's necessarily a real form to it. However, I think that there, the lyrics can be very important, as in something like Can You Feel It, the creator version, and, and many of them. And I think that the fun part about it is that the lyrics are all about, you know, matching and going together with the beat. So, yes, I think the lyrics are very important in-house, and I think, you know, uh, primarily they're all like uh, happy things and having a good time. And, and, yeah. But, you know, they just sort of follow their own direction. <laughs> you know, in, in that song, there's a powerful 4-4 beat at a really high tempo, um, mm-hmm. which sounds it's like it's either generated or looped. Did you play around with that to get just the right tempo to fit with the feeling that the lyrics are generating? Well, actually, what happened was, in this case, Todd Terry, who's one of my favorite producers, he's a New York producer, and he's been around since the beginning. Uh, actually, he did the Jungle Brothers Al Haushu. He was the producer of the music. And many times what happens is I'll work with a producer, then I'll come up with the lyrics after they send me the basics, and then we'll go in and kind of edit and finish the piece together. But Yes, I always do play around with how the lyrics are going to fit with the music. Okay, well, it fits really well there. Um, we're talking with Rachel Kane, and you can talk with her too. You can uh, email, which some of you already are, or you can telephone in. 347 215 Let's go to some of the emails that we've been getting. Um, Bebop Girl in Austin says, yes, with three S's. I love tracks. We need more. What you got coming up? Well, there's a lot of exciting things that we're doing because now that we're coming into our 35th anniversary, we're going to put together a whole retrospective of uh, music taking you all the way back, but all the way to today. And these days we have a lot of great um, new music that's coming out. We've, we've never stopped putting out great new music. Uh, Recently, we had the holiday. Uh, we called it Xmas Christmas, you know, with an Xmas tracks, <laughs> yeah. and that was a big compilation that we had that's available now. And so many like there's House Engine that I believe just dropped today. I'm working on my new album. I'm really excited about that. Um, our music is being heard almost well many places, including Grand Theft Auto 6, which will be released soon, but we're doing lots of new music, and we're always open to hearing new music from people around the world. In fact, you know, we have artists that are very international, like uh, Carmelo Carone, he's in Italy. We work with Grace Jones' brother, Chris Jones, who's living at this time in the U.K., 
And uh, we've got uh, Daniel DeCrizio, who's out in L.A. So really, though, we're dealing with people from everywhere around the country. And here in Chicago, you know, Joe Smooth, who did the uh, the real big classic Promised Land, and I are always holding it down. So, you know, Chicago's where our heart is. But now, you know, the world is house, and yes, lots of new yeah. music. I worked on okay. something really exciting. Uh, called Magic Fly with Space, who influenced Daft Punk. So be looking out for that. Okay. Here's an email from your hometown. This is Worley in Chicago. And Worley wants to know, do you ever perform here? I'd love to see you in our hometown. I do sometimes. Um, Hopefully I'll be having something coming up soon. I'm about to do a big performance in New York. I can't say when I'll be back in Chicago, but that's something that, uh, Chicago needs more of. It's very interesting because, believe it or not, though houses from Chicago, there really aren't a lot of kind of house music dance clubs and shows going on. But I do have something that I'm going to be doing in the Chicago land area at the Forge in March. So we don't have the exact date. But be looking for me to be performing at the Forge in March. I'm very excited about that. In fact, um, Trax is now working with Dr. Dre, and he's going to be on the show with me. So we're going to probably have Joe Smooth, which we're certainly having myself, and Dre. So it's it's going to be an all-out, like, you know, house uh, rocking evening of just love and fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, where should uh, Worley go to keep track of that? So when you do get a date, he'll find out and he can tell his friends. I think that he can go to tracksrecords.net because we'll keep you uh, appraised there. And okay. as well as um, the Forge, I'm sure we'll be listing that on their site. And they're in Joliet, <laughs> Illinois, which is just right outside Chicago. Yeah. So it right. is in the Chicago area. Well, speaking of tracks, you own it as well as run it, and uh, which means yes. that you have to navigate a very tough and a very rapidly changing uh, industry. Now, I know you, you were an early adopter of digital, uh, which, as we both know, doesn't really improve sound quality, but it does improve distribution. So what has been your, your secret to longevity and success 35 years in this industry? Well, the most important thing is great music and being able to decide, you know, what music is really going to resonate with people uh, and catch kind of their their flow and their feelings. I think that that's the most important thing. We've been lucky that we have been able to do that because a lot of times, especially in the past when, you know, record companies had a big investment with CDs and vinyl and all these things, um, now they have a lot less of an investment with digital. But we are very uh, dedicated to keeping the quality of the music up, and I think that the secret of our success is just that, timeless okay. music. Well, it, it, you do, that's what you do, right? Um Although I wanted to ask you about that, um, house music, like many other genres, uh, is heavily male-dominated. Now, I know there's great female house artists like Monica Cruz in Europe or Toki Monsta here in L.A., um, although they kind of seem to be more EDM. Um, As you've moved through this industry as a woman, have there been particular challenges you've had to overcome? I would say 100%. 
um, I started DJing about five years back because I realized that when we created tracks records, one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of female names on the records, even though these there have been a number of really great singers that have come through, is because we were the first label to actually feature the DJ's name on the record. So we've, we've been really uh, solid in, in starting the whole idea of superstar DJs. And the thing is, we need more female DJs because house music has really been driven in that direction. And there haven't been a lot of them. I would say as far as uh, me coming up and getting through this, it, it has been difficult at times because you really can't think of a lot of record company owners that are females and are performers as well as owners. My mentor was Sylvia Robinson, the lady who started Sugar Hill Records. Mm -hmm. and had uh, hits like The Message and Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight. And when I met her, I decided that, you know, one day I would be doing that for house music. And she inspired me to do just that because she always performed, sang, wrote songs. But you don't see a lot of that. And I think a lot of people kind of tried to discourage me from that as I went on, saying, you know, you're a great singer. Why don't you stick to just that? You know, why don't you just be a performer? But my heart was really in the fact that I love performing, but I also knew that I understood and loved the genre and loved a lot of the music. And I wanted to make sure that I would get it to the world. And so I've dedicated myself to that. And I haven't let the problems that have gotten in the way or, you know, uh, stop that dream or that, that ideology. And here you are. And you're still putting out great music, and I want to play a little of it. This is your new song, I Am House. Thank you. What am I? I'm house. Where am I? The house. Who am I? I am house music. What am I? I'm house. Where am I? The house. Who am I? I am house music. What am I? I'm house. Where am I? The house. Who am I? I am house music. What am I? I'm house. Where am I? The house. Who am I? I am house music. House music, baby. together in about 10 minutes and it was his idea but it's a great statement you you've really drawn a nice line in the sand there um now do i have that right that 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 came really fast it did and i heard that sweet dreams by the eurythmics was another thing that just kind of flowed i mean 
it flowed when we initially did it. Of course, there were like mastering and, you know, putting all the music exactly as we wanted it to be. But the basic like writing of the song was just that fast. Everything after that, of course, took time. But, you know, it was a creative flow. And it was Joe just saying, hey, tell our story. And it was also at a time where Kanye West had just sampled uh, Trax Records. Uh, David Guetta had gone on to, you know, the whole thing on Nightline. So things were happening all around us. And we wanted to tell our story, tell about the house lifestyle. And so that's what we did. Did did you feel or did he feel, the two of you feel, that it was necessary at this particular point to make that statement? Yes, I think it 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 was a real uh, deciding factor in why we we did it that way and why we came up with a song like that. Okay, um, now my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is is that house is something of a cooperative venture. There's a there's sites like Tracklib out there which let people take each other's music and put it together and buy samples and things like that. Uh, am I right in that that it's kind of a global cooperative endeavor? I would say in many ways, yes, because now since we have the technology that allows us to work with people from everywhere in the world, and it's interesting that you mentioned TrackLib because I've been working with uh, Tom Silverman from Tommy Boy as the original brains behind TrackLib, and I've been working with him too. So uh, yes, I do see that happening. I think that most likely house music was one of the first uh, types of genres that, that really went into this whole international co- cooperative type of uh, setting and bag and just a uh, way of doing things. So, yes, I would say that that is true. Okay. Well, we have time for one more song, uh, and I'm going to play another one of your great songs. This is Spirits Rising. <laughs> demands you put it on replay now you did that with todd terry uh was that as much fun to write and record as it was to listen to always and i love working with todd terry as i said he he kind of was one of my heroes in house music and uh it's it was always it's always been a pleasure working with todd and uh, i hope to do some more work with him again soon 
Okay. So uh, that kind of thing is always fun. When I'm writing these house songs, I'm always having a blast. I wish I could and, just do that 24 hours a day. <laughs> and I can hear it in your voice, too. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time, so I'm not going to be able to talk about how that takes you to the end of the world. Uh, people will just have to get it on their own. So how do people get your music on their own? Our music is available on Apple, Spotify, pretty much everywhere that digital music is played or sold. You can also check out what's going on at Trax Records by going to uh, traxrecords.net, and that's T-R-A-X Records. Dot net, okay. not dot com. And then you can go to ScreamingRachel.com. You can look me up. I've got Instagram at ScreamingRachel. We've got Instagram at Tracks Records. We've got Twitter, same, ScreamingRachel, Tracks Records at Twitter. So we're pretty much everywhere. And then sometimes fans really love to uh, purchase on Bandcamp. So you can even see a whole collection of our stuff on Bandcamp if they shop there. So right. wherever digital is, that's where we are. All right. Well, well, Rachel, this has been a delight. You're an extraordinary person and a great talent. And thank you so much for your time and your music. That's Screaming Rachel. Rachel Kane, the best place to find her is tracksrecords.net. And her music is all over everywhere. Get her new song. And, and also look at the other artists uh, on, on the tracks record uh, uh, .net site. Uh, there's a lot of good music there. You might want to add them to your dance collection. Well, you've been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan and uh, on the CyberStationUSA.com network, the BlogTalkRadio.com network. You also listen to us on Terrestrial Radio and the East Coast. And tomorrow, um, hi to everybody in London on the Canal side uh, and the Artistic Echoes uh, uh, radio network. Um, I want you to ask, go to our Facebook page and put a like in there, follow our Twitter feed, get real-time updates on our guests. And let me just say thanks to our producer, Lars Christensen, our program director, Jason Bartlebin. And, uh, well, we don't have an intern right now because our intern, Angeline Serrano, now has her own radio show. You go, girl. So download, you can download this show and other Music Friday programs at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes and listen to them as a podcast. Now, we're going to be at NAM next week, so there's not going to be a show, but we will return on Friday, 1st of September with Namanjin and also Salvador Santana. He's got a new album out, um, and uh, we're going to be playing that and talking with uh, Sal. So check out our Twitter stream, our Facebook page, and we're going to update you on all the guests. Right now, we're going to leave you with another one of those great tracks, Rachel Kane tracks. Uh, this is Don't Make Me Lonely.
Now, don't make me lonely. Come back on February 1st. Uh, but in the meantime, that's a wrap. Good night, everybody. Good day, everybody. Good morning, everybody. And have a great musical weekend.